Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Once again, it's the Sports Beat. I am so happy to be here on this Wednesday. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia, your official flagship station for the Columbus River Dragons and Columbus Chattahoots. And I cannot wait for the Chattahoots baseball season. Brad Page is going to join me on the show shortly as we're going to talk about the NFL draft and the Memphis Grizzlies Golden State Warriors series. Just want to remind everybody that the interview was recorded yesterday, so we were going into the interview with Golden State up 1-0. But Memphis has tied the series at one apiece as Ja Morant with 47 points. We have the New York Mets defeat the Atlanta Braves in a doubleheader. They play the final game today. And we also have the first day of the Southern States Athletic Conference Tournament at Historic Golden Park. And I will break down the games. And I'll talk a little bit about the Russell County girls soccer team in the second round of the AHSAA playoffs. Playoffs? That's right, playoffs. All right, before we start the show, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have Brad on shortly. I'm just going to do a quick segment. A lot to cover. I do have a huge announcement on this show. So tomorrow's episode is going to feature WRBL weekend sports anchor Jack Patterson. I am so excited that I was able to get him as with everything going on in Columbus, I think he's the perfect guest to just talk everything Columbus sports. We're going to talk River Dragons, Columbus Lions, all these high school baseball playoffs going on. I actually saw him yesterday at Russell County. So funny story, the Russell County girls soccer team was in the playoffs. And so I asked if they need a PA announcer. And so they said, yeah, sure, come on down. So I did the coaches show with Coach Gibson, Roar Time, which airs on Beam 7. It will air Thursday nights. And uh, the producer extraordinaire, Toygar, who I've had a pretty good close relationship with as he's been my producer for the entire Columbus Rapids season. He's been the producer for the Columbus Lions. So he mentioned to me that he's going to be out at the football field where the soccer playoff game was happening. And so Beam 7 broadcasted the soccer game live and I pretty much just asked him, hey, do you need a play-by-play announcer? He gave me a wireless mic. I went up into the booth And for the first time in my broadcasting career, I attempted to do public address announcing and play-by-play at the same time. I did the player intros, we did the national anthem, and then when I attempted to do PA announcing for soccer, calling the throw-ins, and I was was hoping to call goals, the referee looks up at the press box and says, "Ah, shut it down. All right, so with that, I was just focused on play-by-play announcing. Of course, that game is on CTV Beam on the replay, and I figured, why not? I mean, I've been the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus Rapids all season, and it was the first time I called an outdoor game in 20 years, and I had just a wonderful time. Jack Patterson was there getting some highlights for his broadcast, 
and we talked a little bit after the game, and I'm just excited to have him on the show tomorrow. It is going to be fun, and I cannot wait. So let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Last night, the Boston Celtics even things up with the Milwaukee Bucks, 109-86, to as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown went off. The Memphis Grizzlies defeated the Gold State Warriors 106 to 101 as John Morant scores 47 points. They even the series. They roughed it up a little bit. Gary Payton II is going to be out probably for the rest of the playoffs with that broken hand. And it was, you know, a flagrant one in the beginning of the first quarter. Dylan Brooks was ejected with 9.08 to go in the first quarter as Gary Payton the second had a broken left elbow as he will have an MRI on Wednesday. I don't see him playing the rest of this series, maybe even the postseason. But Memphis, they had to get this game because you don't want to go down 0-2 to Golden State. And John Morant, right now, he is the best player left in this series. John Morant is going to get his shot, and he's also playing a little bit of defense. Look, I am a diehard Golden State Warriors fan. I want to see them win more than anything. But I also like the Memphis Grizzlies. So this is one of those tough situations where every time the Falcons played the 49ers, where I was happy whoever won. That's the situation we're getting into. I would love to see Memphis reach the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2013. And they have a very young team. They also have a very young coach. I think Taylor Jenkins is an up-and-coming rising star as an NBA head coach. All right, it was not a good night for the Atlanta Braves. They dropped the doubleheader to the New York Mets, five to four and three to nothing. As Kyle Wright picks up his first loss of the season, so the Braves are eleven and fifteen as they get ready for a big three-game series between the Milwaukee Brewers at Truett's Park this Friday. The New York Mets. Well, what can you say about them? They have the best record in the National League, eighteen and eight, and it's because of their pitching. With Max Scherzer, and when they get Jacob DeGrom back, look out. I think the New York Mets can contend for the World Series. Might even have a Subway Series, just like in 2000, because the Yankees are doing very well in the American League, 18-6. and It's a great time to be a baseball fan if you live in New York. It really is. The Dodgers, well, they are just a half game ahead of the Padres. They defeated the Giants in a rematch of the NLDS And that game was on TBS. That was a big deal. I mean, anytime the Giants play the Dodgers, it's a big deal. They were able to get the victory 3-1. to And Carlos Rondon picks up the loss. It's his first loss of the season. Julio Urias gets the win. And I'm starting to get nervous. I'm a big, big-time San Francisco Giants fan. And this is just a heated rivalry. So, of course, I'm going to mention this on the podcast every time I get a chance. We have a big college baseball tournament at Historic Golden Park that starts today. These games are probably starting right away. So let me tell you what's going to happen. There's four games today. The number four seed, Bruton Parker, is going to take on Middle Georgia. Both teams from the state of Georgia. First pitch is going to be at 10 a.m. Then at 1 p.m., we have the number three seed, William Carey, taking on Mobile. At 4 p.m., we have the number two seed, Loyola, taking on the number seven seed, Blue Mountain. And then the number one seed in the tournament, the Faulkner Eagles out of Montgomery, Alabama, the two-time NAIA World Series champions, will take on Talladega. And that is going to be at 7 p.m. So the games tomorrow, 
will start at 10 again, and it's going to be a double elimination tournament, and I'm going to try to make it to one of the games. Uh, Tickets are like $15, but you can get a season pass for $35. You can watch every single game, and that's a pretty good deal because they have four games per day. So you can actually watch up to 15 games, but more than likely 14 games, because on Saturday they'll have the Game 12 winner versus the Game 12 loser if necessary. So it's a double elimination tournament. If there are teams in the brackets that continue to win out, they'll just play each other twice. That's how the double elimination tournament works. So yeah, uh, congratulations to the Russell County girls soccer team. They reached the second round of the AHSAA playoffs for 6A, but they were defeated by St. Paul's Episcopal 5-0, to and they will advance to round three in the playoffs. It really was a good matchup. I was really happy to see all the fans out there. It was just a great sight to see. I saw the Coach Griggs for the Russell County football team. I saw some of the football players, the basketball players. It was just a really great time for them just to rally around the girls' soccer team. And who else but to call play-by-play the voice of the Columbus Rap is to call play-by-play for the Russell County girls soccer team. I was honored to do it. I got to meet the new athletic director, Larry Knox, and we talked. And pretty much I'm just getting my foot in the door and just letting them know, hey, I'm, I'm here if you need me. And uh, I'm actually torn between doing PA announcing for Russell County football and play-by-play. I can't do both jobs. I'm trying to find a public address announcer for Russell County football. Just a reminder, I just want to mention this on the podcast. It was mentioned to me before. I would like to mention about that golf tournament for the Russell County football team on June the 24th. It will be at Lakewood Golf Club in Phoenix City. As they are getting teams together, I have shared it on my social media, and I will try to announce it as much as I can. Well, I think it's time to bring Brad on the show, so stick around, and we will be back with the one, the only, Brad Page. You don't want to miss it. Back in a few. This is the show, and we're not going to change it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Brad Page once again on the Sports Beat. Brad Page, you all know him as the former host of the Up All Night Show, extraordinaire producer at WBBJ over there in Jackson, Tennessee. Brad, welcome back. Thank you, Richard. Always good to be on here, man. All right. Well, let's get down to business because, of course, we recorded this last night. The Golden State Warriors lead the series 1-0. And I know that John Morant had a chance to win it right at the end, but was that Did the Memphis Grizzlies have to win game one in order for this series to be competitive? I think so, because um, you want your best to to win two in Memphis. Now, now obviously, um, I hope they can win tonight, definitely, because to to go down uh, 0-2 going to Golden State would be a big hole to come out of. Definitely a win gives them the confidence uh, that they need uh, to, to go ahead with Golden State. They could have came out flat in game one, you know, having a uh, tough game six against the Timberwolves, played them hard and and, and grinded that wind out. (laughs) Game one was such a great game. Definitely tonight they have to win tonight, like because going down 0-2 would be very tough to come back from. Yeah, you make a good point that tonight's game, game two, at the FedEx Forum in Memphis is a must-win game for the Memphis Grizzlies. 
you don't want to go down 0-2 back to Golden State for games three and games four. But Brad, I know that Draymond Green flagrant foul, he got ejected in the second quarter. Was that a flagrant two or was it a flagrant one? Should Draymond Green have been ejected from the game? I don't think he meant to, you know. I mean, so, I mean, I guess you could say flagrant one. The the, the reference kind of maybe got a little carried away with that. Draymond Green, you know, sometimes he'll do things out of the ordinary and that make you scratch your head, you know, why, you know, why do you do that, you know? Um, so, I mean, most could argue, you know, yeah, it, it might've been a one, but to me, it was like he did pull it, pull a car down by his jersey for sure. With the Grizzlies, they really need their bigs to step up. Uh, definitely because they can't just rely on y'all, uh, Moran, I mean, uh, Jaron Jackson had a, a huge uh, game in game one, but uh, Brandon Clark has to step up. Desmond Bain didn't have his best game. He definitely needs to step up, and 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 uh, Dylan Brooks as well. The bigs have, have been kind of struggling, you know, in, in the playoffs for the Grizzlies so far, and especially defending the three. <laughs> you can't give up threes to Golden State because they are definitely probably the best uh, three-point shooting team, and they have the best – shooter ever on their team and Steph Curry. So um, even though Draymond Green was out half the game and they still had a chance of winning um, that game, they definitely got to uh, step it up tonight. You know, the the bigs definitely had to come come and bring their best game for sure. I do feel that the Golden State Warriors played differently with Draymond Green out of the lineup. And now you got you got to worry about Andrew Wiggins. You got to worry about Jordan Poole. You got to worry about Kayvon Looney and Jonathan Kaminga. I don't think they're going to dirty it up with the size in the middle. Uh, basically, Steven Adams is not playing, and there's also a possibility breaking news. Of course, it's not going to be breaking news tomorrow. <laughs> According to uh, – so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her credit. Um, Kelsey Wright from Grind City Media. Of course, she's on the Chris Vernon show, and we went to college with Chris Vernon. He's like an icon in Memphis. Uh, okay. She's stating that Desmond Bain is questionable. Ooh. Desmond Bain is questionable for tonight's game. If Desmond Bain, Brad, do the Grizzlies have a shot? Yeah, they do. I mean, I, yeah, they, step, they, they definitely have a shot. Um, I mean, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Bain might might not be able to go. Um, you know, I read the same thing. Uh, it could be due to his back uh, soreness. Hopefully, he can. You know, hopefully, hopefully it's nothing too bad. But but Dylan Brooks definitely has to step up for sure. And Brandon Clark, he had an outstanding series against the Timberwolves. He definitely needs to step up uh, tonight. Uh, you know, John needs at least thirty. Jaron Jackson still has to have a, you know, a huge game for sure. If Bain can't, you know, can't go, I mean, they'll have to rely on Brooks or, or, or Clark or maybe uh, Tillman uh, for sure. Do you think that Jaron Jackson, what he did in game one against the Warriors? I would love to see it. <laughs> I really don't know for sure because that was an outstanding game, you know, from him. Definitely he's capable of doing it. I just don't know if it will happen again for sure. I would, I would love to see it happen. So, you know, we broke down this series between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Now I'm going to put my fan cap on 
Because you know mm-hmm. I'm a lifelong Golden State Warriors fan, and I know that mm-hmm. you are a lifelong Memphis Grizzlies fan. Don't get me wrong. I don't dislike the Memphis Grizzlies. I love the Grizzlies. I rooted for them when I moved to Memphis in 2005, and they have been my secondary team when I was living in Memphis. But I've been a lifelong Golden State Warriors fan. The Grizzlies are a likable team. So if the Grizzlies are able to beat the Warriors, I am actually okay with it. I just want to see whoever wins the Grizzlies Warriors series. I want to see them dethrone the Suns. I think that is going to be the big challenge is getting by the Phoenix Suns on the way to the NBA finals. Yes. Right. Right. I mean, definitely. Um, yeah. The winner of this series definitely has to take down the Suns uh, to, to get in the finals, even though Dallas could definitely make it competitive. Uh, you know, but they could uh, for sure. But, um, but yeah, uh, I just hope this series here goes, you know, six or hopefully, or, or maybe seven, you know, maybe, I would love maybe. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to see a game seven out of this, but it all starts tonight as you know, because if Memphis wins tonight, they definitely make this a series and that puts the pressure back on golden state to try to win two there. And then Memphis come back and do the same. And, um, so Memphis definitely needs to uh, to win tonight because right now all the uh, all the momentum is with Golden State, and but um, a little bit of momentum could go back to Memphis if they do uh, close it out on Bill Street tonight. All right, Brad, switching gears, let's talk about your Tennessee Titans and what grade are we going to give them from the weekend in the NFL draft. They get Traylon Burks, the talented wide receiver, out of Arkansas, but it came with a price. They <laughs> traded away A.J. Brown. Sad to see A.J. Brown go, but Brad, how did you feel about them stealing, and I really mean stealing, Malik Willis, the talented quarterback from Liberty, in the third round, and can he compete for the starting job at quarterback against Ryan Tannehill? I was shocked, you know, that they got, you know, Malik. Well, first of all, I was surprised that Malik went to the third round. You know, I thought he would at least go the first or second round. For him to go the third and he was still on the board, I was uh, shocked for sure. They have been known to uh, to making steals in the draft. You know, uh, a few years ago, they they drafted this guy in the, in the second round that was still on the board, a guy named Derrick Henry. Um, so that was definitely a steal for, for them. Yeah, I do believe Malik Willis can be a starter for sure because he put up crazy numbers at Liberty. Now, now it is Liberty. I mean, they, they didn't play. But also they did the same thing in 2016. The 45th overall pick for the Titans, they found Derrick Henry in the second round. So they're they're known to, to finding good players in the later rounds. You know, John John Robinson's been able to do that. But I do believe Willis can definitely be a starter. I mean, he is going to challenge Tannehill uh, for the job for sure. Uh, Tannehill hasn't had any pressure or competition at all challenging him yet. You know, it's, so, yeah, it's definitely been uh, uh, Tannehill's team, um, you know, after Mariota left and, well, when he got injured, you know, Tannehill took over. It was definitely his team then. Um, no one's been able, able to challenge Tannehill. You know, Willis put up 3,000 yards last year uh, at Liberty, <laughs> you know, around 300 yards uh, per game uh, passing. Um, and, you know, 
Tannenhill never puts up those kind of numbers. Uh, but again, again, it, it was at Liberty, you know, a small school, but uh, he had a great year. I'm just excited to see what he can do because I know he has a strong, strong arm and uh, and definitely uh, athletic. But, you know, it, it does take time for quarterbacks to uh, develop. But uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how the tie – Titans handle this, you know, because because now Tannehill realizes, you know, he he does has he does have uh, competition. All right, in your opinion, which NFL team had the best draft, and which NFL team had the worst draft? I would say the Jets for sure. I think the Jets did a great job, uh, you know, in the first round. Uh, finding uh, Garrett Wilson as a wide receiver, and then also um, uh, Sauce Gardner as a cornerback, um, and they were also able to get uh, Jermaine Johnson. So they, you know, they they definitely had a good draft. But also, I think the Eagles did good as well, getting AJ Brown, which really surprised me. I, you know, I didn't know AJ Brown was going to leave, but. Um, Titans can't keep everybody for sure. You know, it's hard to do that in a small market. But uh, the Eagles also got the Kobe Dean, and I believe they got Jordan Davis as well. So uh, two great players from Georgia there. Uh, loser, you know, the the Patriots really didn't do much. No, nah, as they nah, usually they do. You know, that's what surprised me, you know, because usually the Patriots – you know, does do well in the drafts, but this year they just didn't. They so reached I, on a guard that was projected mm-hmm. to be a third rounder. And, and right, when's the, when's the last time a Baylor made it big in the NFL? I can't think. I mean, Corey, Corey I Cole, they, Corey they Davis, about it. all the yeah. have been bust. Brad, they got Tyquan Thornton in the se- the second round. Been. Yeah. I, Titans had a Baylor wide receiver while ago, but I can't think of his name. Corey Davis. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. You got, so you got Corey Coleman that was a wide receiver that the Cleveland Browns drafted. He's been a bust. Corey Davis right now plays for the Jets, but the Titans got him. I think he was a top 10 pick, but they got him, and he's been a bust. They, they decided they're going to get two cornerbacks, Marcus Jones and a Jack Jones. They got mm-hmm. Bailey Zapp. So Bailey Zapp wasn't even on anybody's draft board. What are you doing? You already got Mac Jones. You really are just reaching on picks. I don't even think he's going to make the roster. Right. Right. Yeah, the Patriots embarrassing draft. Yeah, that that was surprising because you thought they would do better with picks there, you know. But yeah, they did. Uh, they did pick some surprising players for sure. Surprisingly, I think the Green Bay Packers had a quiet, very good draft, getting Quay Walker and getting mm-hmm. Devontae Wyatt. You can't go wrong with these Georgia picks. They had 15 Georgia players selected in the NFL draft, and I think right. they, they got a steal in the second round. Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota State. I mean, I know Trey Lance would love to have his, his college teammate. Uh, the 49ers should have got a wide receiver, especially if they were going to ship off Debo Samuel, but the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers just finds these gems of a wide receiver. He doesn't have to have the best wide receiver coming out of the draft. And I think that Christian Watson is going to put up massive numbers for the Green Bay Packers. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, especially in that system, you know, with Rodgers, 
you know, you're going to have a great year and great numbers there. Uh, yeah, they definitely did a great job there. All right, so what did you think about the New Orleans Saints getting the Honey Badger? Uh, yeah, that was surprising as well. But, you know, he did play at LSU just right down the road. And, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> he did, yeah. That's a so, homecoming uh, yeah, for him. Definitely a great fit for him. Uh, also, I want to say I'm very proud for uh, a guy from Ole Miss named Tyreek Tisdale. He played uh, at Lexington High School, uh, my hometown, and he uh, he got the pits up from the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm very proud for him as a unstretched, unstretched uh, draft agent. But you know he's he's on the team for sure. I'm very happy for him because we've uh, only had like a couple players from. Lexington ever go to the NFL. So that's huge. And, uh, you know, I wish the best for him. He's a, uh, a linebacker for Ole Miss. He, I think he's going to do really well. You know, he'll be on their practice squad, but he'll do really well. And um, I'm hoping for great things for him. Well, I'm glad you mentioned local high school talent. It'll be in the Chattahoochee Valley, and I'm calling high school games. A shout-out to Justin Ross, the former Central Red Devil out of Phoenix City, Alabama, who he wasn't drafted, but he – got signed by the Kansas City Chiefs as an unrestricted free agent. He mm-hmm. played wide receiver at Clemson. And, you know, injuries caused him not to get drafted. But he's probably going to make the roster. Right. Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Patrick yeah. Holmes is going to find a way to get him involved in the offense. Absolutely. I mean, they, they did not skip a beat when they got rid of Tyreek Hill. I mean, they have, they have right. Nico Hardman. Now they right. have Justin Ross. They have. Marquez Valdez Scatling. I mean, Travis Kelsey, they have the best tight end in football. So, right. Yep. Oh, man. Looks like you're about to get pulled over. So, I'm probably going to let somebody else got injured. I don't know who it was. Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, oh, man. Are, are you? I hope that one another Grizzlies player that got injured because they're definitely going to be down for the nod if, if Bang can't go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Brad, we're in the month of May. We have OTAs for the NFL. And uh, training camps will be in July. I know that usually it's a slow sports month, but we have months and months to talk about football. I know you're a big Tennessee Volunteers fan, and you are a big Tennessee Titans fan. Let's do a quick college football preview because I'm starting to get nervous as a Georgia fan. I don't think they're (laughs) going to repeat as national champions. I mean, they just lost 15 players to the NFL draft. But I do – I'm intrigued by Tennessee. I think they have the – let's go ahead and look at the schedule. You tell me if they're going to win this game or they're going to lose this game. This is going to be fun. Okay. They open the season with Ball State. Is that going to be a win? <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Of course that's going to be a win. It's going to be a win, probably be a huge uh, coming out party for Hendon Hooker. You know, probably going to put up some huge yards in that game. You know, everybody kind of knows some, but even though it's – against lower competition, uh, yeah, that's definitely a win uh, to start off. And it's a Thursday night game as well. So it's one of those early, uh, you know, college, you know, games uh, to start off the season. And it's a Thursday night in, in England. That'll be interesting as well. But, yeah, that's definitely a, a win there. But we, but we did say a win there uh, against uh, a team from uh, uh, Georgia, a small school from Georgia a few yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah, you're talking about that Georgia State yeah, but so you know, you never know what can happen. But I think I think Tennessee would definitely handle Ball State to Pittsburgh to take on the Kenny Pickett-less Pitt Panthers up at Heinz Field, which 
it's not much of a home field advantage. There's not a whole lot of Pitt fans that goes <laughs> to Heinz Field. Uh, do you think they get the win on the road against Pitt? I think they got a, a, a great chance of getting it. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, if, if Pickett's not there, I think I think they got a great chance of winning for sure, Bear. And that would be a big uh, a big win to give them, you know, confidence. Um, you know, heading into the SEC season, uh, for sure. Uh, because uh, Pickett did have a great game against them in England last year. You know, we found out who Penny uh, Kenny Pickett was. You know, and you know when uh, when I saw him play like this guy is definitely an NFL quarterback. The way uh, you know he moves around in the pocket and everything. And the Steelers got a great pick in Pickett. And uh, okay. yeah, yeah, they did. So yeah, I'm gonna say they do get the win there for sure. All right, we'll we'll skip the Akron game. They're going to get the win there, so they're going to go three and zero into the Florida game. This time, it's being played in Knoxville. Billy Napier is is going to be his coming out party. I think Billy Napier. I think Florida for the SEC East. I gotcha. Um, I mean, t- Tennessee's going to be riding high, and especially being in Knoxville, that they are still undefeated. Um, so, I mean, I would lean toward them getting the win, beating Florida in uh, in Knoxville. But, yeah, it definitely could go either way because Napier is a great coach, and he can definitely turn that Florida team around, as you said. All right, and then they will take on LSU. Tennessee will get to see Brian Kelly do at LSU. Do you think Brian Kelly is going to have a down year at LSU, or is LSU just going to pick up where they left off and just they're going to be just a dominant team in the SEC right away? I think they're going to pick up where they left off, um, you know, because it's LSU. Um, definitely. And, um, I don't think, uh, you know, Brian Kelly's going to come in there and them have a down year or anything. Cause you know, we both know he's, a, you know, he's been a great coach at, at Notre Dame. Uh, he, you know, and he was also at Cincinnati, Tennessee playing LSU. That's in Baton Rouge in it. I don't have to schedule. It, 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 it is. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, well, I'm just going to tell you the game. You tell me a loss or a win. I know we can describe no. all the game. Okay. So, they they beat Ball State. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Akron. They're three and zero. They beat Florida. They go to LSU. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they lose to LSU. Would you agree that, yeah. that they'll lose to LSU in Baton Rouge? I agree. I agree. Right. Yeah. Yep. Four and one going into the Alabama game, but this game is in Knoxville. Hasn't beaten Nick Saban since 2006. They uh, have never you know, beat Nick Saban. The last Shula. time he was the last Alabama coach they beat was Sheila. I know the inter the interim coach yeah. Joe Kimes. Well, it was last time track. We just got <laughs> <keep playing. laughs> yeah. No, uh, the last time they beat Alabama was 2006. <laughs> Philip Fulmer was the, and that was when Tennessee was a. 10 win program. They were they were like in the top 15 just about every year. They were a 10 win program. That was the last time they beat Alabama, but do you think they get it done? They got a great chance. And I think they're going to make it competitive to the final play. I really believe they're going to have the confidence to compete with Bama, not lay down the fourth quarter as they always have been. Uh them being the Knoxville, I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say they finally beat Bama in Knoxville. They finally beat Pama after all these years because, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go out and say it. I'm, okay. You know, well, they're they're going to shop I, the world. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it can happen for sure. I sure <clears throat> hope you are right, Brad, because <laughs> Alabama is the odds-on favorite to win the national championship. That could be the difference of them playing in Atlanta because Texas A&M is 
Alabama's heels. We could end up seeing Texas A&M playing the SEC championship game just because Alabama has a loss. I mean, I know that they'll probably beat Texas A&M this year because it's in Alabama. But, oh, this is why I love the SEC, and I'd love to just talk more about college football with you. Five and two, they're going to beat UT Martin. They'll be six and two. I say they beat Kentucky in Knoxville. They'll be seven and two going into the – man, uh, they're playing Georgia the first weekend in November. Boy, the traditionals – the traditional homers are just rolling in their graves right now. That's how it was last year too. They be, you know, they play Georgia late as well. I mean, we could go through all the schedule. Personally, I think that they are going to go nine and three. Yeah, that's very possible. But they also could go ten and two as well. They could just lose to LSU and probably Georgia. But yeah, they that third loss will probably come to Alabama. You know, they probably lose to LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. But they have a great chance of beating Alabama. You know, uh, you know them being in Knoxville. I think I think they're really going to compete with them and make that a great game coming down to the final play or so. Uh, but but ten and two is definitely possible, and nine and three, you know, probably sounds more uh, likable for sure. But I'll be happy with either one. I hope you're right because when I'm not rooting for Georgia, I actually root for Tennessee. They're not <laughs> like hated rivals. I mean, come on, I. I rooted for Tennessee when I was at Freed Hartman. So, you know, if, if Georgia's not playing Tennessee, come on, let's get yeah, over man. ourselves. This is not a – people got to understand a traditional college football homer that grew up in Athens, Georgia, and I hate Georgia Tech. Right. I hate Florida. Oh, actually, I do hate Florida. But I, I that I hate Tech. I hate Tennessee. I hate Auburn. That is not the case. I think Tennessee – I mean, and obviously, if you being a Tennessee fan – if they get nine, ten wins, it, it's a success. I mean, they they should be given Josh Heupel an extension. But you know, the, the key the key is what is their recruiting class is going to look like under Josh Heupel in the next couple of years, and that's the key. So, Brad, uh, thank you for uh, talking sports with me, and uh, I appreciate you being on the podcast. We'll definitely have to talk again in the next couple of weeks, especially when we get closer to college football season. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. It's always been great being on here. Uh, thank, thank you for always letting me come on, man. I enjoy it. Absolutely. That was Brad Page, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm talking a longtime colleague of mine back in the Freed Hardman days when we were rocking the radio waves on, you know, 91.5 and then TV 40 with the Up All Night show. It's just a great time back then. Brad, I appreciate you as always. I really appreciate you letting me be on your podcast. I really do, and it means a lot. Thank you. All right, that was Brad Page, and thank you for everybody for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe to my Facebook channel. Uh, We will see you tomorrow. Bye. Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.